Hi there, Star Wars fans. I'm not your host, Alex Drew. I'm Ali Clark, holding the seat for the big man, who's currently in Paris, uh, going on another one of his Disney runs. He's done tremendously well again. He's done 5K, 10K, and a half marathon. We're immensely proud of him as always, and he'll be back with us soon. But thankfully, we are joined today by the Grand Moth of the Jedi Council, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Hello, Dave. Yes, I love getting those ones in. Uh, we've got, <laughs> it's very... Hello, know, Moth. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and there, there you may have heard the dulcet tones of Mr. Lego himself, Andy. Say hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. So, Andy, you weren't with us last week. Um, so, what have you been doing this summer? Just a little catch-up of what you've been up to. Oh, well, we've been doing... I'm, I'm actually... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm worried that I might go off on a bit of a tangent here. Um, I've been trying to be very active um, <laughs> and lose some weight. I probably should be doing what Alex is doing and doing some sort of Star Wars 5K and 10K and all sorts of other stuff. But the reality is now we're just trying to trying to eat better and uh, and move more at the moment. And it's uh, it's taken up quite a lot of my evenings and weekends. And how are you doing? How's it going? Yeah, not bad. Um, I've yeah lost a few pounds with several hundred more to lose. But yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> And there was the final part of our quartet today, the first lady of the Jedi Council, Mera Rangers. Say hello, Mera. Hello, Mera. So how are you doing? Has there been anything happening with you recently? Uh, not really. I'm looking for, you know, some uh, house, downsizing, making life simple, working very hard, long hours. Living the American dream? Absolutely. <laughs> we could get a love to hear that. So it's been an interesting week, as always, in the Star Wars universe. And it really kicked off earlier this week with an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, in which Disney CEO Bob Iger discussed everything from the future of Star Wars to Disney's planned streaming service, which obviously impacts things like Clone Wars. Um, one of the biggest brands, of course, at Disney is Star Wars, which has followed a one-movie-a-year schedule of late. And addressing criticism that a movie a year may be too many, I just seem to agree, saying that in retrospect that it may have been a little bit too much too fast. So, to quote him exactly, he said, I made the time decision, and as I look back, I think the mistake that I made, and I take the blame, was a little too much too fast. You can expect some slowdown. But that doesn't mean we're not going to make more films. JJ is busy making episode nine. We have creative entities, including um, the Game of Thrones duo, David Benhoff and D.B. Weiss, who are making sagas of their own, which we haven't been specific about. We're at a point where we're going to start making decisions about what comes next after JJ's. But I think we're going to be a little bit more careful about volume and timing. And the buck stops here on that. Right, so Dave, what was your instant reaction when you saw this news coming out? Slightly disappointed, actually. Um, I, a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people say that they are having Star Wars fatigue or there's too much Star Wars. And, and I'm definitely in the camp of you, you can't get enough Star Wars. Um, so the idea of a slowdown worries me. Um, because I, I would like to see the one film a year. Um, I'm definitely in that camp. I know other people have said that maybe there is a fatigue, but I, th I think in part that's just because 
the, the history of Star Wars tends to be three movies over the course of five or six or seven years, and then a, a 10 to 15 year hiatus before it then happens again. So it's, it's almost like each, each of the previous generations of, saga, of, of the, the Star Wars saga have been generational. Um, whereas what we're seeing at the moment is much more ramping up of, of the, the activity. That said, I, we've all said this, and we've, we've, we've said this on previous podcasts, we all thought that Solo was released at the wrong time for a number of reasons. Um, and Bob Iger on his interview admits that he was the guy pushing for the, the May release, um, even after there was a change of directorship, Ron Howard, Kathleen Kennedy, it appears, had actually asked for the, the, the date to shift and for the date to move maybe to a more familiar, in, in this generation, a more familiar um, December release date. And it appears that it was Bob who was saying, no, we've said it will be May, uh, it'll be a May release, so it will be a May release. And we've all said that on, on, as I said, on this podcast, on the various different opinion pieces that we, we've written, we all thought that May was the wrong decision. It was, it wasn't that maybe there shouldn't be multiple films a year. Cause I'm, I, again, I'm not against that as an idea. That works for Marvel and that, that has worked for Marvel for years. They've learned how to ramp up and produce fairly good movies multiple times a year. Um, but Solo came out at the wrong time for a number of reasons. Um, I, 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 without going into them all again, well, I suppose I, should, I will go into all of them again. <laughs> First off, um, you had The Last Jedi splitting the fandom, and there was a lot of anger still directed towards Lucasfilm and Lucasfilm's current direction. Um, that had not abated when the Han Solo movie dropped. So that impacted Solo. You had um, a persistent group of, I use the term fans, but I don't think they are fans. Um, Andy has said that before. The persistent group of claims to be fans who want, wanted Solo to die at the cinema and wanted it to fail as a, as a lesson to Lucasfilm. And, and personally, that was a bit pathetic because Solo was a great movie and a movie should be judged on its own merits rather than on the, the, the film that came before by a completely different director. Um, the movie dropped in the middle of blockbuster season. So you had Avengers Infinity War a few weeks before, um, you had Jurassic World a couple of weeks after. You had Deadpool um, around the same time as well. So you had a, a lot of big early summer blockbusters all dropping at the same time. And, and, and as I said at the time, if you've got any bad press about any of those movies, anything that implies that that movie might not be that good, that would be the movie that you'll miss out on, on your summer calendar. So it put off the non-hardcore Star Wars fans they didn't go and watch that movie because they'd heard bad things about it, bad things about it from people who'd not even seen it. So there are a number of factors, another number of reasons why that movie didn't do as well at the centre as it should have done in May. Um, and Bob Iger is to blame for that. He's admitted that. Uh, and, and good for him to actually admit to that rather than trying to pass the blame down, trying to say, oh, well, Lucasfilm made the decision, it was their decision. So good for him for saying that. Um at least have recognised that. 
Um, but the idea of a slowdown, that, that worries me. I don't want to wait five years for another Star Wars movie. I don't want to wait 15 years for another Star Wars movie. Um, Alex um, has mentioned before the period known as the dark times when we didn't know there was going to be anything and there was really nothing other than the novels and the, the comics. Um, I don't want to return to a period like that. Like I, I want more Star Wars to be made every year, if it's possible. The cartoons are good. The live-action TV shows are good. But I want the big box, blockbuster movies that I go to the cinema to watch on a massive screen. Sorry, that was, that was a very long answer. <laughs> no, that's cool. But turning, turning to, to Mera now, just to build on the point that Dave made, and I think it's, it's sort of been broadcast elsewhere, that this film came too soon after The Last Jedi. There wasn't enough time for the wounds to heal. And what happened was, was there was immediate backlash from fans who didn't like it. And we saw the negative um, Twitter campaigning and all the social media that goes with it. Do you think if the film had been released now, and I think we're in a relatively quiet period for blockbuster releases, that A, it would have done better, and B, would it have brought the entire Star Wars universe back together? Because I think we're pretty unanimous, and we've said it many times here, we think Star Wars is a great film. Oh, sorry, Solo is a great film. Um, I Yes, absolutely. I think Solo is fantastic. I, I think that um, they should have listened to Kathleen about uh, postponing it a little bit. It wouldn't have um, been heartbreaking to wait I think it would have been better because of more time to kind of let things, because the reaction was so vehement and um, passionate, I should say, uh, whether you really loved it or you really hated it. And then there was, you know, just um, it, actually the reaction really surprised me, but yet the movie itself surprised me. And, and a little bit more time would have been good for me as well. Although, um, I'm just disappointed that a lot of people just uh, assumed that Solo was going to be because of how they felt about The Last Jedi. And it just wasn't fair. Um, didn't give them a chance. But yes, I, I think we should have waited for this December to have it come out. Was it just this last May it came out? It seems yeah, like such a long time. Yeah, but so, yeah, I, I think that it probably would have been much better received as a whole and not this silly boycott stuff, which what serves nobody anyway, it just gives them a platform to be important. But that's my opinion about that. <laughs> it's a wonderful I, I, movie. I love it. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't agree with you anymore. And I'm, I'm actually really interested to hear Andy's opinion is because as Dave said earlier, Andy was sort of <laughs> the first one who really called out the fans. And he's not the biggest fan of Marvel films we've heard. I think Dave dragged you along to your first one. And you've also mentioned about James Bond before and being a special film. So I wonder, do you think Star Wars being a primarily cinematic universe for you, because you're not as into the cartoons and all the extras around it, would it benefit from being like a James Bond type structure where you had a film every three or four years? It's an interesting point, actually, you know. Um, <clears throat> I do think that... I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure this would this please the fans, but I do think that could quite work in the sense that at the moment you've got a, a, a sort of structure of trilogies. Now, this is only sort of two trilogies, and then you, you know, like I said Rogue One and, and Solo sort of dotted in between. But the, the primarily, or the, the primary focus of Star Wars for me is, is there's two trilogies, there's two big trilogies. Now, it doesn't give you much scope 
to then go outside of that, what happens at the end of this trilogy? Do they then do a fourth film? Do they then have to announce another trilogy? I know that I've seen somewhere that I think Rian Johnson's working on his own trilogy. I don't know if that's still the case. But it's actually maybe a film every couple of years and just a big, a big Star Wars film. Not necessarily even, even in a chronological order, just a sort of loose order. I think that would work. I think that would work. Ooh. I think you've got the first the four or three films. I said the first three films, the, the, the four, five and six, with obviously following Luke when he was younger. The, the, the one, two and three was sort of, that was Anakin. Seven, eight, and nine are going to be Ray, primarily. And then after that, where do you go? Do you have another three films that are going to be, I don't know, some new character that we're going to see at the end of, of episode nine? You, you're, I would say you're presupposing that the films are linear, though. And in a way, the, 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 the Bond, the idea of the Bond movie is slightly different in that it's just one character. So I can understand why a film every few years works, because once every few years there's this large world-changing super criminal that rises, that needs defeating. Whereas in, in the Star Wars universe, it's very much more like the Marvel universe in that you've already been introduced to a number of characters, a number of situations, on even on different planets. It's wider even than the Marvel in a way. Um, so, so you've got the option to go off and do spin-off stories about known characters to develop them more. So, for, for instance... Um, I'm not saying that they ever would, but there's no reason why they couldn't do a spin-off story that was purely around, um, let's say, the, the whole of the bounty hunters. So you saw a number of different bounty hunters in The Empire Strikes Back. You saw a number of them again in Jabba's Palace um, in Return of the Jedi. There's no reason why you couldn't have a movie that just centered upon the galactic underworld and just discussed some a story that that revolved around the, the bounty hunters. It wouldn't even have to be a galaxy changing story. It could be just just a story, very much more like the, the Marvel stories. Which means you could then go for multiple stories on multiple themes running throughout the year. Yeah, the question opinion. for me is, and, and and again, the listeners might go, oh, "What?" But is Star Wars? popular enough to support that because you look at the I mean I've, I've said before I'm looking at the Marvel films now and I'm, I'm getting Marvel fatigue and they are I mean you know millions and millions of people going to the Marvel film I think I think it's fair to say Star Wars is a bit more niche than the general sort of Marvel Ooh, franchise I, I don't know about that because you if, if you have a look at if you have a look at the numbers and you have a look at Star Wars Star Wars is what 40 years old now yeah but the Star Wars movie, the original Star Wars movie, and in fact the original trilogy, still features in the, the top 10, top 20, top 100 greatest movies ever for pretty much a large proportion of, of movie-going audiences. Whereas and that's I don't think you would say that about any of the Marvel movies. Yeah. And Avengers Assemble aside, maybe. 
That's true, but they're all modern, aren't they, as well? I don't know, does the, the episode, would episode seven or eight of Star Wars ever feature in the top ten like that? Because that's the Marvel episode eight. Episode eight. Episode eight. Well, yeah, we, yeah we, <laughs> let's ignore that time. Okay. Or even say episode three, that's sort of, you know, I mean, I'm, we're still not overlapping really with the, with the sort of good run of Marvel films. But, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't ever see episode three in any sort of top ten, top fifteen, top twenty, even top fifty movies of all time. I think Star Wars was in that, 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 that top ten or whatever you, whatever you said because of its popularity at the time in the seventies. It was so new. It was so innovative. Mm-hmm. Whereas I say now you compare things like Black Panther and, and, and Infinity War and stuff like that. They're never going to get into the top ten really. I wouldn't have thought unless, unless they do something completely radical. Black Panther might. That was sort of, you know, that, that hit a lot of positives with a lot of people, but. I think in generally, we're talking about a whole different era of film, eh? the sort of classic 70s movies, aren't we? Yeah, it's true, though. It's a bit like we were discussing music last weekend, Andy, because Andy and myself went to a festival last weekend, which is why we were not on, on any podcast last week. Um, and we were discussing music and the fact that if the Beatles came out today as a group, they would never have the following or the fans that they had back in the 60s because they were groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Gents, I want to bring Mary in at this point um, because, obviously, in the States, there's this sort of theory that sometimes less can actually be more. And I'm, I'm talking about things like in sport where in the NFL you have 16 games a year, you have eight home games a year. It turns everything into a massive event, and thus it's a much bigger moneymaker. Now, I've heard some people say that one of the real appeals, actually, of the original Star Wars, that each film was an absolutely huge event. And what happens is, is that if you have it annually the whole huge event bit is taken away from it because you can have, you know, uh, branches off into areas that haven't been explored before. But it means that it it could be construed to be less special. What do you think about that? Do you think sometimes less could be more and maybe the fact that it's not as huge an event because you know it's happening every year is impacting the bottom line for Star Wars films? Um. I, well, yes, actually. Um, not that, um, well, I remember, what, three years having to wait for the next chapter. Even with Lord of the Rings, which is a totally different franchise, but how many years between each chapter did they have of that one? And the, at least over here, just the waiting and anticipation that, I mean, George didn't even think that he was going to go beyond Star Wars. I mean, he just was like, oh, I'm just going to get my movie out, begin to do it the way I want to, because this is my one shot. Um, so then now we have an opportunity to do another part of the story, and then he leaves us with a cliffhanger that we have to wait another three years to find, you know, that was excruciating, and yet the buildup of it was, you know... Uh, very special and unique to that. Um, maybe, I don't know if we're being inundated with too much Star Wars, um, but I think, yeah, the build-up and the wait is what we were accustomed to and wouldn't mind again. It wouldn't be the worst thing. Yeah, for, for me, I, I'm sort of at cross-purposes with this because I kind of think having Star Wars, the more of it you get, you know, it's absolutely brilliant. But I do get the point as well that 
it is more of anticipation, more of a build-up. To bring back the sort of Bond analogy again for, for, for Andy, um, if something happens only every three years, you're more excited by it. You've forgotten the bits that you were negative about. You remember why you love the franchise. You engage with it, and you get super hyped. You want every single trailer. You want every snippet. And then you go and buy a ticket at the cinema. And obviously that didn't happen with Solo. And to touch on something else that, that Andy mentioned, and this is for you, Dave, is the fact that in Bob Iger's statement, your friend Ryan Johnson wasn't mentioned. I did notice that. I thought you might have a view on that. Yeah. Having said that, Ryan Johnson has not shut up on Twitter about the fact that he has not had his trilogy taken away from if that makes sense because there, there was um, a story posted on Twitter um, saying that he'd, he'd had it stripped of him and he was quite quick to return with the fact that he'd not had it stripped and there is still planning ahead for that so he, he was quite quick to come back on that but that, I mean, that was a month ago I reckon at least a month ago now yeah. so I don't know maybe I think a month maybe ago. um Oh, in Star Wars. Yes, months a long time. <laughs> I think, I think, I think, you know, guarantees are long gone. Andy, Andy, as, as someone who, did you say, you watched the film, um, uh, The Last Jedi, didn't particularly hate it, the more you watched it, the more you disliked it. Would you be happy to see Ryan Johnson once again direct a Star Wars film? It's interesting you say that, actually, because I know there's been so much controversy on this podcast about The Last Jedi, and it was recently, um, released onto the Sky Cinema catch-up service. So that means you don't have to pay for it. You can just literally download it as part of my Sky Movie subscription. I don't pay, I just download it and watch it. And I watched it again and I thought, you know what, it, it, was, a, it was a bad Star Wars film. But I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy parts of it. I watched, I watched it again and I thought, hmm, was I, a little, was I a little bit harsh? I'm not sure. Um, having said that, I still think it pales into complete insignificance. <laughs> to the, the other three new films, Rogue One, Solo, and The Force Awakens. So, yeah, I'm not sure um, Ryan, Ryan, whatever he likes to call himself, um, I'm not sure he should be handed the reins with any, any more Star Wars stuff. Um, and not just because of the films, but because of the divisiveness that he's be, been attributed to, really, online. On Twitter, you know, the, the fans have been so divisive because of something that he has made. So I think it would be the, the right thing for him to just sort of say, step back and say, do you know what, it didn't work out for me. I'm going to go off and do something different. I don't think he's ego would let him. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's been part of the problem with him. The fact that rather than taking criticism on the chin, as has happened with the DC movies, the DC movies have not exactly had rave reviews but you see I enjoyed oh. Justice League I, I quite like Justice League but anyway yeah. that aside um, it was better than Batman v Superman but um, but you, you the, the directors and, and even some of the actors on some of the um, DC movies have been slated and been called out and by fans, um, but they've not risen to the bait and they've not snapped back and and attacked the fans, attacked the paying mouths that the paying wallets that feed them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas Ryan Johnson has been very quick to attack the fans, 
and and whether the fans are right or wrong, and whether the fans have been abusive or not, he's been biting the hand that feeds him. That was the that was the term I was looking for. He has yeah. been biting the hand that feeds him. I kind of feel like we we we're covering all the territory now with yes yes. <laughs> so, Mary, do you have any comments to make on that? I mean, in particular of. What I find interesting in America is there's been a big sort of push on the Me Too movement and all kinds of things. And obviously we've seen the director of Guns and Galaxy 3 be removed. And Ryan Johnson, or Ryan Johnson, deleted 20,000 tweets. Um, you know, there's been a big call to see coming tracks on that. Would you like to see him back again? Are you, are you uh, more happy to see it than other people on this podcast? Um, I, I kind of wish that he had been, uh, regulated to that original trilogy. If he had done something, um, totally unrelated to the Skywalker saga, um, I think that I would have preferred that. And I mean, I'm the kind of person that will give him, you know, um, one, another chance. Not many. I'm kind of three strikes and you're out, but, uh, <laughs> so it's not very big of me in the end, I suppose. But, um, I think, honestly, um, I didn't care for the way this chapter went, but that doesn't mean that a totally unrelated Star Wars uh, trilogy wouldn't be good because it'd be entirely new story, I'm assuming, different people, or it should be, I should say. So for me, with Ryan, if Ryan comes back and is allowed to do something Star Wars related, I would like it wholly unconnected with anyone we've fallen in love with, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a nice place to leave, leave that topic discussion. And of course, it's an exciting time because I think it's already out in the States. It's certainly out on digital release over here. But tomorrow in the UK, we finally get our hands on the new solo film. Um, I can't wait to see it, but of course, with the wonders of modern technology, we've already been able to see some of the deleted scenes already. Um, so I thought we could talk about them one by one, and um, I'd like to start with you, Dave. There's a really interesting scene on this, which was about Han being um, an Imperial pilot, shows him in a TIE fighter, and a, a conversation afterward with not a moth. I just wondered, could you describe the scene and what you thought about it? Well, um, the beginning of the scene shows him in a TIE fighter training, a, 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 a TIE fighter trainer, I guess. And um, he's not having the best of time in, in the fighter. Um, ends up crashing it into um, the, the ship that it looks like it was his base ship. Um, whilst trying to bring it into land. Um, and then you, you, one thing I did like about that was the fact that you actually saw an open TIE fighter pilot helmet, which I'm assuming he was almost like a cadet fighter pilot helmet. And I, I quite like that um, from, from the perspective of my collection of figures and helmets and, and what have you. It's another one that you could add to the collection, to be fair. So I did like that, actually. Um, and then, you, and then you, it, after he crashes and it sort of like whites out, you then see him stood at what could only really be a court martial. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the way it feels. 
Um, and he's arguing his case, and he, he basically gets taught down, um, and taught down too. Um, he's got his eye in a, in bandaged up, I'm assuming injury from the, the accident, from the, the, the collision. Um, and he effectively gets told, no, you, you're out of flight school, um, and he's going to be sent off to, to Mimban. Um, so it's nice because you get the bit of backstory about why he gets cashiered out of the, um, Imperial Flight School. Because we always knew he did, we just didn't know the circumstances of it. Um, and I'm torn on that scene in a way. I don't know if it was a Ron Howard piece or whether it was the previous directors because it felt a little bit more comedy-esque mm-hmm. maybe than some of the other, than, than the other pieces that we've actually seen, if that makes sense. So I don't know if it was something that was edited out because it was slightly, the tone was slightly at odds with the rest of the movie. It, it just felt a little bit too, I wouldn't say it was Spaceballs because I was going too far, but it, it, didn't, it didn't flow, it wasn't of the same tone as the rest of the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. It felt so, Did you agree that the humour was still better than The Last Jedi, though? The, the, the humour was much better than the last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was factual with humour, wasn't it? No, what I'm just saying, it, it, the, 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 the bit at the end of that scene, um, where he says... Well, Andy, Andy have you got a massive wooden spoon? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bit, the bit at the end where he says something like, I, I, will I get to fly soon? And then it flicks yeah. into the member and he's flying through the air, having, I don't know, been well, shot. Or, it, the, the, yeah, I, to be fair, I like that bit. <laughs> that was really, I watched that earlier and I thought that was really funny. Because yeah. he, like, he goes, oh, 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 you'll fly again. And then literally <laughs> yeah. it cuts to the scene of him flying through the air, cartwheeling through the air after an explosion. <laughs> so so I like that. And that, that was nice. That was a nice pun, to be fair. But it was the type yeah. of pun that you do see in Star Wars, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was Star Wars humour, definitely. It was. It was. Um, it was more a situational pun rather than a lame gag, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, so no, it, it was good. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. It, it wasn't, it wasn't trash. Um, it, I just felt it, it was of a slightly different tone to the rest of the movie. Um, which, which just makes me think maybe it wasn't a Ron Howard clip that they've included. Because there was plenty of footage that must have been done prior to Ron Howard coming on that probably wasn't used. And, Possibly a number of them might end up as these outtakes. And that is an absolutely tremendous segue, Dave, to my next question to Mera, which <laughs> is that the original directors, of course, of Solo were Bill Lord and Chris Miller, both known for uh, the Lego movie, which was a film I adored, many people absolutely loved, and also 21 Jump Street, which was a bit of a surprise hit, a lot funnier than most people expected. Um, there's a there's a scene in the outtakes, um, it's not a very long scene, and it's a snowball, snowball fight. So, do you want to describe the scene a bit, Mary? And if you think that the reason it wasn't included was because Ron Howard actually took the helm? Um, well, you are right, it was shot. Um, it, it, there was no dialogue. Um, there was, they're just walking up. 
uh, Beckett's in front of them uh, a bit, and uh, Chewie just uh, picks up some snow and, and, and pelts Han in the back with a with a snowball, uh, which just kind of like jaws Han, and he looks back and he's just like, hey, you know, I can you know, take that, you know, because you can't one-up Han. He's always got to be the next one. So there was a little bit of, and then Chewie tackles him, and they both fall on the ground, and that's when Beckett turns around and says, you know, basically, cut it out, kiddos. we got a job to do. Um, and so they get up, and there's, you know, like one last, uh, Han gets some snow, and one last pelt back to uh, Chewie before he starts running off like a little girl. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, it's cute. It's, uh, you know, kind of uh, like things that could happen when, you know, you're a bunch of guys together and you're just like, oh, we're on this job and we're freezing, so let's just break the monotony. I mean, I mean who hasn't done something really kind of silly and, and, and something like that just to break up the whatever? I mean, is a scene taken after Beckett's? Lost or before? Do you guys know? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing it's after before? the heist goes wrong. Okay, that's what I thought. So maybe there's a little... Uh, I don't maybe know. It's, it's too light-hearted for yeah. what they've just yes. been through. <laughs> so I'm glad it wasn't in the movie, because it, it would sort of be like, wow, what the heck, we were just mourning these people for Beckett. and, and um, But yet it was cute to have this aside and, and as a deleted scene. So, yeah, it was a little bit... Um, yeah, I mean, it was fun, and it was kind of another bonding moment for them. That's how I took it, and yeah. just a little bit of, wow, this is really serious, and, and Chewie with a sense of humor, you know, because Chewie's is equal, and, uh, you know, like he said on the behind scenes, that uh, probably Han is Chewie's sidekick, you know? Mm. <laughs> I like that idea that they're they're both each other's sidekick, depending on... <laughs> yeah. Well, at that point, Han, Han wouldn't have been rescued if it weren't for Chewie. Uh, exactly. Again, a perfect segue into my next question, but I'm, I'm just going to go back for some deeper analysis from you, Mera, on, on the point that, um, for me, when I saw that scene, I kind of didn't see how it really added to the story at all. And mm. it's the type of scene that I wondered if that's why the change of director was made. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? I agree. I mean, it was a bit incongruent to the movie itself. I mean, it was more... Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. It didn't seem like it belonged. I mean, it was a nice little uh, deleted scene, <laughs> I guess, but it wouldn't have added anything to the movie, so I'm glad it was left out. But, yeah, I agree, Ali. Yeah, me too. And so, Ali, it, it, this, is, this to me is quite a topical one in many ways. Because I think one of the things going into this film that most people were looking at seeing was, was how did that Chewie and Han relationship start? What was the thing that made Chewie have, as people have called it for many, many years, a life debt? So we saw what happened in the film, and I think for some people it was uh, one of the least fulfilling parts of the film, um, arguably. But I just want to take your take. Now we've seen an expanded version of, of the fight scene what did you think about it, and how do you think it, it's shown that the relationship between Han and Chewbacca started and then would ultimately go on to? Yeah, I thought, I thought 
I mean, back when when I watched it in the cinema, actually, it was it was one of the things, one of the key things I walked into the cinema thinking, how did how did they meet? How did they have this sort of this bond that went, you know, deeper than blood? It was it was like they were related. It was, you know, a serious serious incident or event that obviously brought them together, but we never knew what that was. And I mean, interestingly, I thought the, I thought the scene was great. I thought it was really good. Um, and I thought actually, I know, I know it was a bit divisive actually with with how they sort of filmed it and how they how they wrote it. But yeah, I, I I really enjoyed that. What was interesting, I thought, was that I remember reading afterwards because when, when I go and see a film, I tend to just then read loads about it. I read articles, I read opinion pieces, I read all sorts just to get a bit more background and say, oh, is that why they did that? Um, and I remember reading something about a guy called Lawrence. I can't forget his surname there. Um, He's a writer. He's a writer. Kazdan, that's it. Um, a writer and producer on, I think he worked on some of the old original trilogy as well. He did. Um, and, yeah, yeah. And he, he drafted, um, the original scripts, I think, for Solo. And he had it the other way round. Um, and when I say the other way around, it was, it was, Chewie was saving Hand Life. Um, something to do, I think there was a battle against the Empire or something like that. So I'm interested actually. I wonder why they changed that round. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would have worked any better or any worse that way round. Um, well, but yeah, it, was, it makes a lot more sense, Andy, because to me it seems like Shuri saved Han. So where is the life debt, Dave? What do you think about that? Well. I, you know, from watching the original movie, uh, the original movie, from watching the solo movie in the cinema a few times, um, I thought it was, I thought the life that came out of the bit where the, we're on the train and Chewie, the, the train banks to go around the corner and there's, there's the, uh, range troopers have opened fire and, uh, Chewie almost like slips off the side of the train, hand grabs him and holds on to him and then manages to drag him in just before, I think it's a pylon or something that, that Chewie would have struck. Um, so when I'd seen the movie, that was for me where I thought the life debt had come from. Okay, interesting. So, so Andy, what did you we, think we about? Like, I'm thinking of the, the literally where they're in that pit. And obviously Chewie was this huge beast that was going to rip hand limb from limb. And then they, they, they sort of bonded and escaped. That, that was, it's interesting how this, yeah, two different people did two different takes on that. Well, yeah. and I have another theory. Oh, go Well, I like it. Well, the pit, yes, kind of like Chewie's like, oh, okay, so maybe he's not all bad and he's not going to do the same thing to me. Um, and then, of course, Han pulling him. But really, it, it struck me the first time I saw this movie in the theater is when they're getting the, is it Coaxium? Coaxium? Yep. On, in the Spice Mines of Castle. In the Spice Mines of Castle. Because all of a sudden, it's like they're on a mission and they got to do this and they got to do that. And Chewie's like seeing his fellow uh, Wookiees being abused. Mm. And Han is like, hey, we got to go. We got to go. We got to do this job. And, and Chewie's like, these are my people, and this is what I'm going to do. And Han lets him go, and he hands him the weapon. And I just got this feeling that there was this connection or this thing in Chewie that's like, I'm with you forever. You have just trusted me to be an equal and um, respected him 
and that's where I feel like I saw the bond that was yes. started right there. That and he came back. So because Han was like, that's it. There's Chewie. He's off. He's gone. I'm never gonna see him again. And yet he does because Chewie is now bonded to him. Yes, because Chewie has the option to go with his people, and he decides not. Yeah. Ali, can we do a Twitter poll? Where, where was the where was the this life bond first formed? Because three members of the Jedi Council have three completely different opinions. <laughs> I yeah, I think that could be quite good fun once this is up. And of course, if anyone's got their own theories, then please do get back to us in the comments. We'd love to hear what you think. But um, yeah, that, that's all. That's all really, really interesting. What did you think, Andy, about the scene itself? Like cinematically, you said you read around it, you read the reviews. Do you think that they were right to cut it at the point they did, or was it better in the in the extended deleted scene? I I think I've said this before actually on the podcast. I quite like long films. I quite like long things actually. I like like, like long songs as well. If a song's like seven or eight minutes long, I prefer it. I quite like longer scenes. I have no. I know some people have very short attention spans and, and scenes are cut for whatever reason. Um, obviously to bring the movie length down in total, but also I think you know if there's four or five minutes of the same thing on the screen, people tend to get bored. I don't. So personally, I would have gone with the extended version that was in the outtakes um, that we watched earlier. I, I, I much prefer that. I thought, I mean, I, I thought that the one in the, in, the, in the movie was good, but the outtake one is even better for me just because it's longer and it's got a bit more detail, a little bit more action. So, yeah. I'm surprised they could. I was just saying, maybe they seem to bring film. out a director's cut. I, yeah, more and more people aren't doing that, are they? I, I, I think no, they not. should. I think just whack all the scenes in and do it. Yes, and and then it's. It, I mean, you've got the space on a on a Blu-ray disc, so why not do it? Yeah. Why not make yeah. both versions of the movie as is the way that if the director could have included everything that that he shot that he thinks is valid and adds to the story, include that, and that is your director's cut. There's there's a problem though with that. Um, having watched a couple of the outtakes on the on the video that we we saw earlier, is that some of these scenes are quite are cut at quite an early stage. So you know the one that yes. you were talking about Dave, with the um, the Imperial pilot training piece. Yes. I I couldn't graphics, tell. I think, um, yeah, the graphics. Yeah. Right. I wasn't sure if it was actually designed to look like a training thing, <laughs> or if it was. I thought that at film. first. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't certain it, if he was in um, a simulator. Yeah. 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 But then there was a scene at the end as well. Um, with a, with a ship in it, and it, it it was like you know the original graphics from a SNES or something. It was you know they really need to do all the CS um, the design or whatever. Well, I suppose that was never that was never fleshed out. That was never fully filled. So potentially the director would never have actually used that anyway. Yeah, it's, it's not something that ended up on the cutting floor. Yeah, the, the same with Chewie and, and the and also the, the battle on Mimba. They were both, you know, they were just obviously edited down of, of the final cut. That, that was all the effects were there. Everything was fine. So, yeah, I'd, I'd do an extended edition with that. I'd watch that. So, so that covers a few of the scenes. Now, there was one other big scene, which um, I'd welcome any of you to jump in on, which is where we saw Han and Kira uh, well, chasing through the streets of Karelia and escaping Proxima's gang members. Um, yeah. I thought this was quite a funny scene myself. It was, it was one of my favourites. Yeah. yeah that was uh, so anyone want to jump in and comment on what they think about that, or just go through the scene in general? I'm trying to figure out where that fits. It would have been right at the beginning. 
It, no, no. I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'd, I'd guess that much. But um, it was more along the lines of it starts with Han inside Proximus Tunnels um, grabbing Kira. And Kira, what looks like she pulls a knife or something on Han, because she, she's, she's not where he is initially. So that entire scene is then changed with Han greeting Kira in the actual released movie. Han greets Kira in the in the tunnels. The both stood up. They go into an alcove for a, a bit of a passionate embrace type of thing, um, and then plan what they're going to do and try to escape. So this that the beginning of this new thing that we've seen on on the, the outtakes is a completely different version of that of Han telling Kira that the deal had gone wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah. So 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 for me it's it's not that it's an extended scene that they could have included. This was a completely different take on those two scenes or that one scene. Yeah. And then you cut to them running through the streets, almost as though that's it, they fled and then they're being chased by the hounds, which implies, again, that the entire scene with Lady Proxima would never have been included in that version of, of that part of the movie. Um, and then you have them jump into the vat of eels, or whatever they are, um, mm-hmm. full of liquid. And again, th- when you then see them in the in the movie that is released in the cinema, when they're running through the streets of Corellia and then they end up at the um, spaceport to try and get off world, they're dry. So that entire scene for me feels like that was the entire intro to the movie that was completely cut out, it's like, no, we can't do it like that. Let's start again and do the entire thing from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that as well. I don't think it's that with anyone. Yeah. yeah. Any views on that? Yes. Agreed. Well, I'm going to move on then. And, of course, as we said, Solo's out, and we cannot wait to watch it again, all of us. And we'd love to hear what you think about it, what you like, what you don't like. And, of course, it's incredibly topical at the moment. We ran a poll recently where 75% of our uh, respondents said they'd like to see more solo. We've got a situation here where uh, John Kirsten, one of the writers, has put out that he doesn't think that there'll be any more solo. Ron Howard's regularly tweeting to find out if there's support for the film. Um, I think it's interesting and um, probably a, a topic for another day but it's definitely out there, and we'll see if there's more solo or not. I hope there is. But um, I'd like to move on to, because we have you today, Andy, Lego. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a couple of days ago, uh, I tweeted out, um, or the uh, council tweeted out, a, a Lego Porg. Uh, Dave, I think, was distraught by this immediately. <laughs> uh, I think that's the politest way we can put it. But you seem quite interested in it. Um, and so I thought we could have a little Lego review. What do you think of that? And have you seen anything else that's interesting? Price per brick, things like that? <laughs> yes, well, um, uh, followers of the Jedi Council will probably remember my article a couple of weeks ago about the uh, the, the, the price per brick, which I'll, I'll go into in a minute. T- talking about the Porg, I actually think it's quite cool. 
I, I mean, the, don't get me wrong. The Porg was a, 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 a hateful addition to the Last Jedi, but I think they've done it really well. I like it. I, I think they've used the bricks really cleverly. I think it's a good proportion. It's got the little plaque with it. It's almost like one of the Ultimate Collector series. What I know it isn't, um, but it's you know it, it would sit nicely alongside those. I think it's really cool. And also, there's a couple of pictures of it. One with the mouth shut. One with the mouth open. So I'm guessing there's some sort of technic mechanics in the middle, a lever of some description that you can open and close the mouth. Whether it'll go, you know, the, the call thing, I don't know. I very much doubt that. You'll probably have to do that yourself. But <laughs> I'm not doing that again. That's the first and only time I'm ever going to imitate a pog. Um, How was that? But you know what? I think, and, and actually, I'm, I mean, I'm looking, I can only see at the moment, unless I'm, I'm not searching hard enough, I only see on the lego.com website. It hasn't quite appeared on the UK version yet, I don't think. Um, but it says coming soon, October the 1st, and it's $69.99. So actually, that's not a bad price. I reckon it'll be about £55 in the UK. Oh my goodness. Dave, Dave, Dave. <laughs> I've got a feeling you're not going to agree with your fellow council member on this. Yeah. Well, it's really yeah. expensive here in America. $80 or $150, depending on where you buy it. With, awesome. the mouth wow. open, with the mouth closed. I'm sorry, but I will not buy this Pog for $80. You know, on, the, on the Lego, the actual Lego store, Mera, it's, it's saying $69.99. Oh. Well, yeah. See, you want it now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, to die for. Now, if it was out there. <laughs> but that's a different story. Oh. I d- yeah, I, d- I don't know. Do, do we need a Lego Pog? That is a question. We have one, Dave. That's not the question. It's moot now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> Can I also draw your attention to the fact that it's over 800 pieces, which is actually, as, you know, as the price per brick goes, Lego have actually priced this quite competitively. Maybe that's because they think it won't sell. But, you know, Maybe, well, yes, you know. that's what I'm thinking. Maybe they're expecting it to do well. It yeah. says it's life size, so I guess that's pretty big. Size of a puffin. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I see. Sixty nine ninety nine. So these people are buying them and then inflating the prices. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I reckon it's probably about twenty five to thirty studs high. I, mean, I have no idea how tall that is in centimeters or inches. I'm just looking at the picture and approximating. About a foot. About a foot. Um, oh, yeah, no, no, it's no, it's not that big. Um, it says in the description, I should just read the Lego description. It says, without the stand, it is over seven inches tall. And oh, wow, so tiny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very big. That, yeah, $70 Lego set for... So a Porg yeah. is only seven inches tall? Maybe they are. But your price per brick, I mean, it depends upon the size of the brick. Uh, well, it doesn't go into that detail. This is why, this yeah. is why there's controversy about the, you know, the NASA, the NASA yeah. set. I've actually bought the Apollo set because that's got, I can't remember the number now, but it's got the same number of bricks in it that the, of the year of the mission. But they're all like single studs and stuff like that. Yeah. Everyone's saying, oh, you know, it sounds like it's great value, but they're all tiny, tiny little pieces. Yeah. So. And there is a maybe, level. Maybe you need to do price per weight. Yeah, potentially. So, so for those that haven't read your article, Andy, do you want to go into a bit of depth as to what you're arguing? Yeah, well, it's a couple of years ago, really, Lego sets seemed to be pretty good value. 
And it's it's just recently you'll see it. I mean, please please go. I mean, I, I won't recite the whole article because I'll be here all night. But please have a look on the Jedi Council website because it's I've given a few examples of things where it's not even just the franchise sets because pe- people there's been a lot of debate online about oh you know the franchise sets are more and more expensive. Well, actually they're not. It's the Star Wars sets that are more expensive. So I compared a couple of um, I think it was Harry Potter, two lots of Harry Potter sets to Star Wars. And there was also an example of a Jurassic World set. And in each case, the, the same sort of piece count, again, it doesn't take into account the size of the, the type of piece, obviously, but that, you know, as general price per brick is a good sort of marker for Lego. And it, it's just, Star Wars stuff is so much more expensive. And, and nothing is m- more obvious than the latest Cloud City set, which actually, by the way, I don't think I'm even going to buy because... It, oh, my God. Know, you know, I know. I, when you look at it and you think it's £300, and I see people online saying, oh, yeah, but the minifigures are worth that alone. I, I don't care about minifigures. I like I like a set. I like to build a set, and I like to display it or play with it or whatever. I don't want to just break the set up and resell it and keep the figures. I know, I know that's some people's bag. It's not mine. I'm not paying £300 for a set that's got 2,800 pieces in it when I could buy Hogwarts Castle for 350, which has got more than double the amount of pieces. And it's far more impressive. It's huge. It's got loads of figures. It's got loads of little, you know, loads of moving bits. I mean, what a Lego planer. It just, it really annoyed me. Um, and then there's a few other examples then which I went into, um, which is the, for example, the X-Wing, which I've got, I've got Poe's X-Wing from, I think it's 2015. Um, which was, I can't remember now, I haven't got the article in front of me, it was about 65 or 70 pounds. And the new X-Wing, which has just come out, new X-Wing Starfighter, it's exactly the same size pretty much. Yes, the mechanism has changed ever so slightly, and I think the engines look a little bit better. But it's 20 pounds more. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, Luke's, it's Luke's X-Wing, isn't it? it, it X-Wing, though, it, it's the same, what, my point yeah. is it's the same number of bricks. It's, it's, I, I think I don't think it is that. I think I think they are literally trying to rip people off. I really do. I think they they're doing it and doing it and doing it, increasing the prices and increasing the prices until people stop buying it. And then they think, right, that's it. Then that's our ceiling price. We're going to do that. I, I do I do think they're testing the market because it's still a, the Imperial Shuttle was another one. The new Imperial Shuttle's hideous, and I know it's a slightly different ship. It's not the, it's not the Tidarian one, which again I've got. I love it. Amazing. The other the shuttle. It's just hideous. It doesn't, it looks so basic by comparison. And yet, I think if it's not more expensive, I think it's about the same price. But it's so much smaller. And I'm just like, no way. I'm sorry, but no. If it carries on like this, the only Lego I will buy is old Lego. It's just, yeah, anyway, rant over. (laughs) I'll let let people read the article, please do, because it's quite eye-opening. Well, Dave, you're a Lego collector. We recently tweeted out... um some of the figures that you've collected and, you know, you pointed out at the time, some of those have got yellow faces, they're that old. What do you think about the current state of Lego Star Wars? I do agree with Andy. Um, it, it's hard not to agree when, because, again, I, I would suggest that you have, if you've not read Andy's article, it's on our website. It's under the opinion section of the website. Um, I, I hardly recommend that you have a look at it because he does make a very, very good case. If you 
if you have a look at the the price increase that's just starting to come through on sets now, and and I get what he's saying is, uh, for instance, the the shuttle isn't the same. It isn't the same type of shuttle rather than being the Tidarian style um, Lambda class shuttle. Instead, it's the it's the, it's the more cargo style Imperial shuttle. So it's a different type of shuttle, but that type of shuttle should have been bigger. Um, because it'd be a cargo shuttle. So it is a small, it is a much smaller set for the same price, if not more. And similarly, um, again, as, as Andy said, the new X-Wing that's been released, okay, it's, it's the original X-Wing from the original era times, I think. I don't think it's, it's not the more modern X-Wing from, um, the, the new trilogy, the, the engine intakes. I think a, a fully round as opposed to just being half circles. So it's it's a different style of X-Wing. But that aside, it's the same number of bricks. It's the same actual size because the X-Wing isn't, has not changed in size, really. Um, so you've got exactly the same size set for 20, at least £20 pounds more. Um, and let's face it, with inflation, inflation isn't making that much of a difference. Not over the course of three years. Not, no, not it's not. Something to be increasing by about 20, 25% in price. I've also that seen just, things that really feels like, like a rip-off that. It does. And I'm going to in the article because another person online that I read ages ago when I was, I was just searching about the price of Lego if I was alone in thinking things. And people were saying, oh, well, you've got Brexit and you've got Trump and you've got, you know, global sort of I don't know what the word is. It's, you know, sort of nervousness at the moment and, and sort of unrest. It's got nothing to do with that because the prices, the prices have gone across the board. The same sort of RRP. The percentage increase in pounds is the same percentage increase in euros. It's the same percentage increase in dollars. So Lego are doing this across the board. It's not like they, you know, they're not punishing the UK for any sort of political decision. They're not punishing the US. They're not doing anything. There's nothing but to do like, with that. like you said, it's, it's also it's only it only seems to be focused on the Star Wars. Exactly. Sets. Other sets don't have, don't have this. Well, I've got two young lads, um, which uh, we've, we've mentioned before on the podcasts, and both of them two are avid uh, Lego collectors, and. William has always liked the Marvel ones and the DC ones, and he's got a couple of sets of them. George has, has more recently gone into the Jurassic World ones, but he's... Okay, but they've also always been into the homegrown Lego brands, so the likes of the Nexo Knights, the likes of the Lego City ranges, the likes Ninjago, of... Rather. The Ninjago, yes, exactly. So... You already noticed there is a price, there is a price hike when there's a franchise. So the Jurassic Worlds and the, the Marvel ones are slightly more, um, for the same size box, for the same size-ish set than an Injago one or a, um, a, a Nexto Knight one, for instance. And that's always been the case. And whenever we've gone looking at Lego sets and they've got money that's theirs to spend, I've always been keen to point out, well, if you go for that set there, which is an XO Knight one, you get more Lego for your money. And I've always said that to them, and I've always pointed that out. And sometimes that will sway them, and sometimes it won't. Sometimes it's a case of, no, no, I really want the Marvel one. And it's like, right, fair enough, you, I've, I've mentioned that. 
but then you you move along the aisle and you have another price break when it becomes Star Wars. So the same size box that is already more expensive if it's a Marvel or a Harry Potter or, or Jurassic World is again another couple of pounds up. It's you know you're almost looking at if a, if a if a set is a normal Lego like the smallish Lego sets is about eight ten pound. It then jumps to about twelve pound if it's um, a branded one, and it jumps to about fifteen pound if it's Star Wars for the same size box. And that just—it's always been there. It's been there for the last few years now. So I'm with you, Andy. I'm, I'm concerned that Lego. Ooh, is it Lego, or is it the fact that Disney or Lucasfilm are putting that premium on Lego, and Lego are having to pass that on to the consumer? Well, actually, I think that's a good point to bring Mary in because I think, like me, Mary, you're not the biggest Star Wars Lego collector. I think that's fair. <laughs> yes, yes. Now the Lego games. <laughs> well, okay, that's an interesting point. Um, but do you think, and it, and it sort of ties back into the debate Dave and Andy were having earlier, do you think you pay a premium on these sort of goods for being a Star Wars fan? Now, obviously, um, there are licenses and fees on anything, so you're going to pay more if it's a tie into a film. But do you think that Star Wars fans are unfairly penalised because of the strength of the brand and the history around it and the fact that people will just pay it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely you are paying for the name. And that's the common phrase around here. It's like you could get something that didn't have Star Wars on it and pay much less, maybe not dramatically less, but you are paying less and you are paying for Star Wars. So there is at least probably something that is $10 is 15 So there is a nice little hike there. Um, and, you know, where we still romanticize anything Star Wars and people will pay it. They'll be like, I hear conversations sometimes about, oh, I got this for such and such. And I'm like, that's a deal? <laughs> it is on Star Wars. But, yeah, yeah, it gets a little... Um, you are definitely paying for the Star Wars name. So do you have a little Lego R2? Because I'd be shocked if you did. I don't. <laughs> I do not have... I know, I know. The only things I have of R2 is like a kitchen timer and uh, another little game timer. Um, I do not have a lot of R2. I don't you have a lot totally of... You should totally get it, Mara. There's... You should, there's it's on my want list. There is a um, an ultimate collector series R2 um, with a plaque and everything. Um, I have no quite idea. I mean, it is quite big and it's actually quite expensive now. So it would be something to save up for. But the detail in it is absolutely immense. Um, if anyone's listening to, uh, or if anyone's listening to think, oh, I wonder what that is. Set number 10225. <laughs> um, it's, on, it's on my list. It's on my want list. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Well, it's on your autism list by the sound of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that you can well, recite the number. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've just Googled it. <laughs> All right. Cool. But it's also I, I don't have the heart to buy myself uh, Star Wars stuff because of, well, my situation. I'm, my, I'm the sole breadwinner and I take care of my dad. So they're really, I do not allow myself 
any allowance for Star Wars. And I think that should change because I love Star Wars. And, um, and why not? I give myself the movies. Um, but like I've mentioned before, anything else I have, Star Wars has been given to me. My R2 mitts, my whatever. I mean, I've only bought the kitchen timers. I have a Death Star and an R2. So. That's interesting. But maybe I should make myself an allowance now. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, think, I, think. I think so. And unless, have we got anything more to talk about on the Lego front, guys? No, I mean, I, I, I could rant all night about this, but like I say, <laughs> I've, 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 I could. <laughs> I've written the article. I, I spent a lot of time actually doing proper research into this. I haven't actually, you, you made a good point here, Alistair, about, um, is it, is it what Disney are charging for the franchise? One thing I didn't do is compare, or in, I didn't do this deliberately, but in the comparisons I made, I didn't compare any Marvel sets to Star Wars. And obviously they're both now owned by Disney. So there may well be a similar increase in the Marvel sets as well. Um, at which point we might think, oh, okay, maybe Disney are charging a lot more. Um, if not, if the Marvel sets are priced like the Harry Potter sets and the, and the Jurassic World sets, then we know that as Star Wars fans, we are now being punished for being fans. I so that's much something I could do, actually. I do think Marvel ones are slightly cheaper. Do you think? I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I haven't got any Marvel ones, but it's something I could potentially look into. Um, and it's just, it's another point just before we move on. It's, it's gonna hurt Lego at some point, because I'm looking now, um, I've got my laptop in front of me, and I'm looking at the Lego store, um, the Lego Star Wars store online. If I now sort the website by newest sets, there's a sand crawler on there, which is a re-release of a set. Now obviously, it's a much smaller set, I've just built the Ultimate Collector Series 1, which is amazing, absolutely amazing, I think we tweeted some pictures a few days ago. Um, but that, that's over £100. Um, there's a couple from Solo, which to be fair I probably would get. Um, but they're all sort of £80, £80. The Imperial Landing Craft we talked about earlier, which is nowhere near as good as Tidurium, that's £80. Now, you may remember us talking a few, about a couple of months ago, where Dave and I went to an event in Liverpool. Now, I got, I, I got a couple of sets there, which were around £100 each, but they were classic older sets, which are now rare, obviously to get them filled in boxes rare. I'm actually finding that more fun trying to hunt down older classic sets than I am looking at the Lego. The, the Lego website doesn't expire at 11. The RRPs are Shocking. too high. It's, it's true. The RRPs are too high. The sets are either the re-releases of old sets. And I'm looking thinking, well, I could just get, I could get the older set. And it's actually, it's a, it's a little bit cooler. And it seems better value for money in a lot of cases. So yeah, I don't, I don't know how much, I don't know for how much longer I will be buying new Lego. It's it's quite it's a it's a disturbing time. There's a disturbance in the force. I think that's even a thing on my article. <laughs> I'm I'm a big quality person too. So Andy and and Dave, do you notice a difference in the quality of the actual bricks that Lego's putting out? Because they, well, I, mean, I remember them used to being like you stepped on one of those suckers and you <laughs> you had a massive imprint for like days. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, they there's seem more flimsy to me now. Is- the quality is still there. There's, there's okay. still robust pieces. Okay. We get yeah, on the floor all the time with the boys, <laughs> and no, they're, they're still lethal. Okay. <laughs> they hide in the carpet. You you lost that foot for a good hour or two. Well, did you know that some some manufacturers, you know, jack the price, lessen the quarters yeah. of the products? So I'm just curious. No, look, to, be, to be fair to Lego. 
they, they are consistent. They're, they're still as good as, as well built brick as they always have been. Good. I think maybe it's, they're cutting the price of the design team. I don't know. <laughs> No, I'm super keen to move on from Lego, but I just... Yeah, please do. Please do. <laughs> I just want to tell you one little thing which I think you guys might find quite interesting. So the, the well, I suppose managing director of Lego, um, I don't know how many people know this, he doesn't actually carry business cards. He carries a little Lego man that looks like him with his email address on the back. <laughs> and that is the only way you can get his email address. Now, I know this because the managing partner of my law firm has one, and I've oh, seen wow. it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting. There's a little Lego Insider for you. It's the coolest business card in the world. Um, pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That, that is an exclusive, Andy, if you get one of those. Um, wow. As exclusive as it gets. After, after my article and rant on here, I doubt if I'll be getting his business card. But there you go. Getting your his Christmas card list, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Move, move it on, Alistair. We, yeah. I'm, I'm, move I'm it worried on. I'm because of a Lego monologue. Yeah. So, so, um, <laughs> a few times recently, I have come up with some wacky fan theory that I've read on Reddit or some godforsaken website, and you hear Mera saying, "Oh, Alistair, we love you." <laughs> you know, I feel deeply loved by that and deeply touched, but. As Alex is absent, I realised this was finally my opportunity to get some of my wacky fan theories out there and have a... Oh, no. <laughs> so, 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 the entire rest of this podcast is devoted to my wacky fan theories. And what's even better about this is the guys on this podcast have no idea what I'm about to say. <laughs> so this is completely unscripted. And um, I could be about to hear Oh, Alistair again. Uh, but I've got a few of them, and I'm looking forward. Just jump in, guys. It's completely unscripted. Come in and let me know what you think. So the first one oh, no. I'm going to start on. It's about, I'm really I'm nervous about I it. I say that with love. I say that with love, Alistair. I, do you know what? It's the most love I feel on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, put, who put Alistair in charge again? <laughs> so anyway, we're going to talk, first of all, about the Knights of Wren. So, oh. I think many people, and... You know where this is going to go, don't you? Dave, you are not allowed to talk about The Last Jedi. This is not about The Last Jedi. Dave, if you even consider talking about The Last Jedi, I'm going to mute you. Uh, so, you, you. You brought up The Knights of Red. Well, listen to my fan theory, and then we can go into it. So... Does it discuss why they went in The Last Jedi? No, <laughs> it's about the next film, the ninth film, right? So, calm down, children. <laughs> so, Star Wars, episode nine. We see the group separated from Kylo Ren, which could be for a few reasons. The first Brian idea... Brian Johnson forgot who they were. <laughs> Dave. This Sorry. Is not the first idea suggests that they are angry with Kylo for killing Snoke which puts him in their crosshairs. It would seem that the Knights of Ren would be pretty mad that Kylo betrayed and murdered Snoke, but would they go after him for doing so? What do you guys think? And in the second part of this theory, the Knights of Ren have gone further to the dark side since parting ways with Kylo Ren. Discuss. 
<laughs> Am I allowed to talk? Yeah, so I'm looking forward to Mara's talking about this first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, if they're anything like Kylo, then they, they pout for a little bit. Um, um, <laughs> they could be, no, I actually think that the Knights of Ren are being like, yes, let's go, let's rule this galaxy, and let's kill Kylo too. I think one of them oh, wow. overheard, if I remember right, one of them was overheard saying, did that guy really get his top off when he was talking to Ray? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear, he worked they, out. They're like, you know. They, they were last seen just running in the opposite direction. Who knows what happened to the Knights of Ren? They just called the Knights off. No, they've just dis- disowned Ren completely. Dave? All right, okay. Um, well, you see, the, the, the last time we saw them was in episode seven. Yes, where have When J.J. Abrams invented them. Yeah, in Ray's vision. In Ray's vision. And they were obviously at the um, destruction of the Jedi Academy. Because um, that's where you see them. Alongside Kylo Ren wearing the Kylo Ren uniform and carrying the Kylo Ren lightsaber. And then we saw in episode 8 that Kylo Uh-oh. Ren was actually Ben Solo at the time and wasn't Kylo Ren and didn't have the Kylo Ren uniform and the Knights of Ren weren't with him and he had a normal lightsaber. So to be honest, it's possible that the Knights of Ren were a figment of Ray's imagination. If we assume that Ryan Johnson is canon. Or could we assume (laughs) that they weren't actually knocking down the Jedi Temple and were off on a mission. <laughs> well, they, 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 that, it was just a phantom memory of, of Ray that was complete nonsense. Although Snoke did mention... He could be looking into the future. <laughs> it could be. Master of the Knights of Rome. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So, well, Snoke mentions Master of the Knights of Ren as well, doesn't he? Yeah, I just said yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, sorry, yes, yes, that's <laughs> what just reminded me of it. It's okay. Uh, yeah, we but he mentions it, he mentions it in episode mm-hmm. 7, and mm-hmm. then by episode 8, we've had a collective amnesia and they don't exist anymore. <laughs> so yeah, moving on from the because <laughs> we're not. I have a bad feeling about this. No, I haven't been about this as well. So, so my theory continues, you'll be glad to hear. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I think Dave might actually go mad, so I've been looking forward to this. So, <laughs> if we assume that the Knights of Ren have gone further down the dark side, the theory goes on that they could become Grey Jedi. <laughs> the theory goes uh, no. No. That Ray will be given the opportunity to join them while Kylo, Kylo and General Hux take down the First Order through their constant battle of control. So you have no. the Jedi there to take them down. No, no, that's, no, that's, that's a load of nonsense. <laughs> Why is it? <laughs> because, okay, right, oh, right, okay. So. I knew he'd get angry. <laughs> if, if, if we presuppose 
that the flashback that Ray had when she first handled the lightsaber in episode seven was the Knights of Ren stood with Kylo Ren destroying the Jedi Temple and then sorry the Jedi Academy. We presuppose that that is the case. It means that the Knights of Ren have already decided and joined the dark side. Yeah. yeah. The Grey Jedi is neither dark nor light. But that's why I said they contact Rey based on what <laughs> Kylo's done. They see the error of their ways and they become the balance. No. And further down the dark side. Yeah, that's what that's what you said originally. Yeah, further down the dark side. Is, is Ray gonna redeem them, or is she gonna pull them back to be grey? Exactly. Yeah. They're balanced. <laughs> they're neither. Exactly. So they wouldn't side with light or dark. Jedi trained people. Grey Jedi. Come on. They, guys. But why? But, but why would they join forces to combat the dark? They started their own Sith school. They're so annoyed with Kylo Ren that they see her as their best hope. You naughty, naughty boy! They started the Sith school on their own. Right? I didn't hear that. Sorry, Mera. They started their own Sith school. Well, I mean, I suppose (laughs) it it depends on... Yeah, well, Sith's gone, isn't it? So it's something, but not quite that. Mm. Andy? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Next. Oh dear. I. I mean. I think you know. It could. It could be an interesting one. I don't know what happened. Right. So, but to be yeah. fair, they 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 slaughtered they slaughtered the other children yeah. at the academy. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's no coming back from that. Well, that's like an Anakin step, that isn't it? He didn't really, though. He died. He died redeeming his soul, but there's no way he would ever have been redeemed as an individual. He would still, Vader would still have, have stood trial for his crimes had he survived the Death Star. Which is the, which is the same notice we've got with, because I've, I've seen quite a bit at the moment on Twitter about, oh, is episode nine a chance for um, Kylo Ren to be redeemed? It's like, sorry, mate, there's no redemption for you. You've destroyed entire planets. You've killed countless people. It's not a case of, oh, he's a good boy now. Let him join, let, let him join the party again. It's like, no, no, you're going to go to prison, mate, as a minimum. But as I said, Anakin is a Jedi Force ghost at the end. So he was redeemed. His soul was redeemed. So it doesn't mean that the people of the galaxy thought he was a decent bloke again. Correct. These people don't have to think they're, they're decent. <laughs> but anyway, let's let's move on. And Dave, once yes. again, I will not be aiming this question at you, first of all. <laughs> I want you to percolate on this one. Okay? Does that mean uh, I can make bubbling noises in the background? <laughs> uh, well, I hope it'll be better than your Monty Python impression. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, theory number two from unattributed Reddit person, okay? So, a part of me has started to think that there this is... This is only theory number two. <laughs> I thought it was number three. No, no, <laughs> number two. There's four of these. That was all Knights of Ren, that one. That was, you know, contained. Was that, was that one A and one B? 
Is this how this is going to work? It will go however I choose. <laughs> In our two-hour session. You're naughty boy, Andy. <laughs> so, point number two. Let me start again. God, give him a bit of power. The starter to think that there's something wrong with The Last Jedi on purpose. That it's almost a continuum that should not have occurred. Is the mirror cave a representation of all the possible permutations of the path that Ray can take? And that somehow she has the ability to choose what becomes and what does not. Perhaps, and this is even more controversial because it calls her the chosen one, operates outside of time. That might be the meaning of the Mortis arc, where, you know, we saw that the father, son, and daughter were in a different time. So, is it possible that she was getting a glimpse into the world between worlds in that scene, which we then saw happen in um, Rebels, and perhaps she was focused on the wrong thing? Maybe the Force was trying to show her something different, but because her, force, her heart was so focused on seeing her parents, she missed something important. Circulation of Dave is occurring as we're going into time travel and almost creating Ray to be the one. <laughs> time travel? Are we having time travel in Star Wars? It's already happened. Well, I mean, rebels, right? Yeah, okay. Um, um, we're going to have to switch Dave's percolating off because it's... it's, it's <laughs> I think she could have seen another vision if she wasn't so focused on it, but her focus was really wanting to know her parents. So if ands or buts, um, I'm. <laughs> I know it's a big one. Andy, do you um, think, so Andy, do you think that, you know, that cave scene, um, what, what do you think about it now you've put time travel into that and the fact she was clearly seeing lots of different rays and the opportunity to do lots of different things? Do you think it's more important than we realised at the time? The, the short answer is I don't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I think, first of all, I know, I know you've mentioned Rebels, which again I have seen, but I, I hope time travel stays out of Star Wars. I quite like the, I, I quite like the sort of straightforwardness of the movies in the sense that they are in a, in a, in a chrono- chronological order. Yeah. If, we, if we've got people jumping backwards and forwards before time, I think that might turn a few people off, Star Wars, if I'm, if I'm being honest. In terms of the actual cave scene itself, <laughs> I really, really don't want to turn this into the last review show, you know, review show. I actually think it was a great opportunity to show Ray's backstory. Yeah. And because of lazy writing and, and bad producing, I think it was just a case of actually let's just have a look at a reflection and leave it open to interpretation, which is a bit like when you watch a really good film and you're really happy, and then when it gets to the end and it says, "Oh, it was all a dream," and you think, "God's sake, why did you do that? Why couldn't you have a good ending?" So yeah, I I, I, I can't read into that scene. I think it was just, yeah. I think they all sat around a table and couldn't come up with anything interesting. So they said, "Do you know what? Let's just have a see herself." Okay. Now, Dave, we obviously spoke at length about the Mortis arc. Really enjoyed mm-hmm. that cast. 
and the idea of the chosen one being outside of the sort of normal realm. What do you think about this scene? Are people just making something out of nothing? I think it's someone who was confused at how little was provided in The Last Jedi, and so has come up with a... Because it's a fan theory, and it has come up with something to try and give that scene some purpose. Because, as Andy said, that scene... Like quite a bit in the last Jedi, was lazy and didn't answer any question and was deliberately, I think, deliberately ambiguous because Ryan Johnson couldn't come up with a creative answer. And so a fan, rightly or wrongly, probably rightly for their own sake, has tried to say, well, maybe it means this. It's, it's because it was so ambiguous, it is so open to interpretation that, that someone is, is trying to fill in the gaps. I tend to agree with you, Dave. I tend to agree with you. I just thought it would be quite an interesting one because I, I can understand where the fans coming from as well, but I, I just think it's, it's going down the completely wrong path. Um, so I'll go on to fan theory number three. You ready for this one? We're going back this time. It's not all on episode nine. Oh no, oh no. We're going all the way back to episode one of the saga. So, we know Shimmy Skywalker was not a Jedi. But... Shmi. Oh, Shmi. Sorry. Yep, Shmi. But was she involved with a Sith Lord or was she indeed herself a Sith Lord? The theory goes, she wouldn't have hidden the fact from Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan, there'd be no reason to, uh, that she, so that leaves it. However, it would take an awfully powerful Sith to conceal the dark side in her so fully that Jedi wouldn't detect it. Only Sidious or Palpatine was strong enough to do that. That's not to say she wasn't connected with the Sith, though. Um, she developed a relationship with a Sith, this is the theory. She loves him, but he grows too powerful. Fearful. She plans to flee with their unborn child. This Sith, however, presented a challenge to the rise in Darth Sidious. Sidious steps in, murders the Sith, and manipulates her mind, as he would later do her son, and she loses all memory of the relationship. Fast forward several years to Tatooine. She's given birth. Unexpected events lead to Qui-Gon Jinn and Anakin meeting each other. Sidious believes that the boy must be trained as a Sith and sends Darth Maul to eliminate the Jedis. When that fails, he must allow Anakin's Jedi fate to play out until the time is right. Sidious waits until Anakin is older and susceptible, orchestrates a capture and torture at the hands of the Sand People. Sidious knows Anakin will not be able to contain his range, thus murders the entire village and sets firmly on the path to the dark side from there. So, is that believable in the slightest? Who are you asking? Any of you, jump in. <coughs> What's that a slinger, Andy? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, it's just proper tumbleweed moment. Because <laughs> we all don't know what to do. Okay, I'll jump in. Cool. Um, cool. Okay. I think that's, it's quite a wild theory. I, I don't actually, I mean, unless there's a, a, a credible reason why not, I actually, it, it could potentially work. 
again, I'm not sure it would, and I'm not sure I like it. But there's no reason why it couldn't be the case. Um, well, for, for me, there's a few things there. Um, so, when episode one was done, we had this whole high idea about midi-chlorians, which seems to have died a death, sort of, sort of, so to speak. And at the time, Shmi was claiming that it was an immaculate conception, mm-hmm. um, which is almost like a, 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 a link to Christ in a way, um, which is a strange thing. Um, so she, she has this idea that it was a complete um, immaculate conception, and the midi and and Qui Gon goes too far as, as to say when he's talking to um, Obi Wan Kenobi and to Yoda, I think he mentions it was it an emergence in the Force. Yeah. So the suggestion is that the Force itself has intervened mm-hmm. to create the Chosen One, implying that the Force itself is sentient and not just something that can be used. Um, so you've, you've got that. But then I think you've also got the Darth Plagueis book. And there's a hint in that that it's possible that Anakin was created by Plagueis, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, yeah. So, so there's a hint from there that that Anakin was actually Plagueis's son. Mm. Um, obviously, that is no longer canon. Um, so yeah, there's yeah, there's a few few problems with that that theory there. To be honest. Um, what I found interesting about this one, when I, when I looked at it, was that it was so out there that it, I just thought, this is complete nonsense. But then it actually finished making the very point you made, Dave, that it's um, it's at least slightly more believable than midi-chlorians or the immaculate conception. Yeah. True, this theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which could be why there was the book, the Plagueis book was written the way it was written, to try and overcome that. Yeah, because which is then it? subsequently decanonized. Well, yeah. although as as Andy has put, as Alex has pointed out, none of those books were actually canon anyway. So it isn't that they've been decanonized; it's just that they've been completely disregarded by Disney. Indeed. So, Merrick, could you at least see any credibility in the idea that? Um, Sidious was watching all this happening from afar and letting it all play out and letting him become a Jedi rather than him being trained as a Sith. Can you see any credibility in that idea? I can. Yeah. I can. Manipulating the... to suit his purpose and his will. I mean, he had his eye on Anakin anyway. Um, From when we were introduced him in the movie... I'm going to watch your career with great interest, you know, that kind of thing was freaky, but kind of creepy. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not, um, it does not break the bounds of credulity, um, completely. Um, why not? Why not have a, um, I think it's a little bit more, 
more believable than midichlorians for myself. I'm still kind of like, I want Shmi to tell me a little bit more about what happened, but maybe, maybe she, uh... Maybe it's Watto's. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. And she was embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, some so of it's cool. Yeah. So in fact, what we're saying is someone has done a huge amount of imagining and actually has found something yeah. that could be true, but clearly we all know isn't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of a cool theory, and I applaud the guy who came up with that. I thought it was pretty cool. Very um, imaginative. Yeah, and so for number four, it's actually, I'm afraid it's not even really a fan theory. It's more of a question, so I know you're going to be disappointed with that. But it's about Matt Smith, and it's something that, uh, we kind of didn't touch on last time, but obviously he's best known as his role in Doctor in Doctor Who. And uh, he has a pretty uncanny resemblance to a certain Star Wars Rebels character. And so many people have been asking, how could Thrawn be incorporated into Episode 9? And I would like you guys to tell me how you think Grand Animal Thrawn can be in Episode 9. Wouldn't he be too old by then? Or yeah, that's so what I'm thinking. Well, so he's a chiss, so we don't know how old they, they right. are. Yeah. Plus, we don't know what's happened, um, for those that haven't watched The End of Rebels and where he's with Ezra. We don't know where they went to and if aging is even a thing. Right. Mm. Um, maybe? But I associate him with such a different timeline. I yeah. mean, like, Veda timeline, and of course, you know, Veda would have definitely died out naturally, if not the way he did. Um, yeah, because he, he, was, he was already a, a decorated admiral yeah. by the time of the Death Star, or Grand Admiral by the time of the Death Star. Well, and so, you couldn't make him young. No. could not make him young. He'd have to be old. He'd have to be like Richard E. Grant. Which is possible. Well, he'd have to be at least 20 years, if not 30 years, senior to, to Luke and Leia. Right. So 80, 90, something like that? Yes. Yeah. And on for that. Oh, Chewie's, uh, Chewie's 200 plus years at this point. True, Yoda was 900. Yeah, yeah. So would you, and I know you don't watch the extended animated series Andy so do you do you have any views on Grand Admiral Thrawn at all to be honest no I mean I know he's quite a, an impactful character in um, in the animated series so yeah I mean I think I think the new trilogy could do with a few of those to be honest I think Snoke was a bit weak um, and obviously he's been killed off now anyway spoiler alert sure. <laughs> um so Thrawn sounds like this sort of, you know, big um, leader in the sense of a, a, a military type leader. Is that right? He's, he's the guy yeah. that's got military yeah. tactics and stuff like that. I don't yeah. think we've really got anyone like that at the moment in the trilogy. So I think if, if they, I think there's room for them to certainly bring a character like that in. Like I said, I mean, I don't know anything about Thrawn. I'm going to be honest. I know, you know, people will be going, oh, what are you on about? Of course you know. He's, he's a main character. I, I don't know. I don't watch Rebels. Yeah, he, he, would replace, he would replace. I was going to say he'd, he'd have to replace Hooks, though, wouldn't he? Mm -hmm. Hooks would have to play second fiddle to him. 
Unless he's the trader. Unless he was still, you know, true to his original ideals. But then so so is Kylo Ren because he wants to finish what his grandfather started. Mm-hmm. So his his entire remit and really the the four, first order is just a rebirth of the empire. Yeah. Well, Down to the way have- that their uniforms, yeah. the, their organization, their vehicles, they are just a resurgence of the, the, the empire, really. And that's all explained in the last Battlefront game a bit about how that happened. Mm. Um, so you're, so you're exactly right. Um, but we know that there was a huge, huge, um, or even a resistance to the first order from, from the, from the established empire. So it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed not to see drawn in this myself. Um, because there's lots of other questions about would that lead Ahsoka into it and Ezra and all kinds of things, which I think would just be too complicated at this stage. But I think a lot of people want to see it happen. And um, I wasn't going to touch on this, but because Andy brought it up about Snoke being dead, we now know that Andy Serkis has cleared all his um, fan Comic-Con appearances out of his diary. He's not working on any films at the minute. So it looks like there's only one film it could be. And in one of the comics, it was a Marvel comic, I believe, it mentions that Kylo Ren wasn't his only apprentice. So there's someone else out there. Um, so, you know, Dan Fury put out there that Snoke will be back in this. Um, the connection between Ray and Kylo was still established at the end of the last film. We know that for sure. So, um, yeah, it, it, it could be interesting, Andy, to see what happens with Snoke, I think, in the next film. And perhaps his weakness isn't quite as weak as we think at the minute. Yeah, yeah. We was built up to be something amazing mm. in Episode 7. Yeah. And even the power you saw him wield in the throne room. He, you know, yes. he's, I can sense your every move. It seems highly unlikely that he wouldn't have sensed the one that actually killed him. That was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless you go down the, the poor writing thing, which we've discussed multiple times. Which, which, which obviously is, is not the case. But um, <laughs> it also seems that um, Snopes... You know, you, you, okay, so each of the Jedi and Sith that we've seen... I know that Snoke is not, it's neither. But each of the fourth wielders we've seen seems to have a certain affinities. Some Jedi, some Sith are stronger in some areas than others have got a, a, a strength in certain areas. And it appeared that Snoke's area was definitely within the ability to manipulate and control others, which was why he was able to cloud... Grandmaster Luke's mind from a gazillion miles away and why he was able to um, tie up um, Ray and uh, Kylo's minds together. So that was his ability to, to be able to manipulate yeah. people's minds. So for him to be taken down by a misdirection in his own throne room by his apprentice just seems a bit of a tall order. There is, I mean, we're running out of time here, and this is, but there is a brilliant fan theory on the origin of Snoke as well, or I think it's brilliant, um, which is which is the idea that in fact that he's part of a 
uh, race of force sensitive individuals who sided with the Sith right at the beginning of the sort of Sith Jedi war and were seen as the ultimate enemies of the Jedi and so were basically exterminated. And so for... Was that, not, was that not the Sith themselves, though? Because the Sith were a species, a race themselves were. originally. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if they were force-sensitive, though, were they? They, they were, they were. Okay. And that, that's, that's why the, the, the Jedi outcasts, or the, the, the dark Jedi that, that, that turned away from the, the true Jedi, yeah. they crashed on the planet where the Sith were, and yeah. they interbred with them. Ah, which yeah. which grew out the the idea that the the Sith were both a people and an ideology. So that that's kind of interesting because the idea then would be that um, some of the abilities that we've seen um, Snoke orchestrate and use is slightly unusual, and um, you know, as you were saying, Dave, very manipulative, almost natural. And the idea would be that he's sat in the outer rooms learning what the Sith were doing a bit more. Who knows? Maybe he was. Unless really he was a natural Sith. Yeah, I've, I've never thought of that before until you said it. Um, but that's possible. I can't remember what the description of the Sith was. To be fair, mm. um, years since I've read the comic. But yeah, that's that's an interesting fan theory to, to throw out. Maybe maybe rather than us discuss it, we could have our listeners respond. Let us know what you think about that one. So I'd like to move us on to some questions from our followers. Um, so, first of all, I'd like to talk about one from someone who interacts with us a lot, Sean Marwood, who, and I'm going to aim this one at you first, Andy, which is, what is your favourite Lego figure or set that you own? His is the General Grievous one. Oh, I've, got, I've got two. I've got two examples that I can give here. Um, the first one, just because of its exclusivity and size and the immense job that I did in convincing my other half Beckett that it was a good idea to buy it, is the um, Ultimate Collector Series Millennium Falcon that was out last year. So I'm lucky enough to get my hands on that. Um, I started a new job and thought, do you know what, I'm going to treat myself. So I managed, yeah, managed to get that from the Lego store in the UK, <clears throat> which is, is fairly, I would say fairly rare. I mean, you can still get it, but I think, I think the price of it obviously puts quite a few people off buying it. So I'm hoping at some point when I've got a bit more room to build that one and, um, and display it quite prominently. I think you can buy lighting kits and all sorts for it, which would be quite cool. Um, but in the sense that ones that I've already built, um, it's 100% the sand crawler. Absolutely love it. I think it's amazing. I think it's a great sort of, uh, it's, a, it's almost a hybrid set, I'd say, between, a, uh, you get a play set. Like there's the um, Ewok Village, or there's the uh, Assault on Hoth. There's a few, a few like that. Rathtar Escape from Force Awakens, and then obviously you get ships like the Millennium Falcon, etc., etc. The Sandcrawler sort of halfway between that for me because it's a bit of a, it's almost like a ship. It's a construction. It's got, it's got the wheels obviously instead of engines. But then also there's a bit of playability as well. There's a crane, an actual working crane that you can hoist out the back. There's another one that you can open the top of the sandcrawler, reach over the side and pick up R2 like they do in the film. It's, the, the, yeah, it's a really, really good set and I'd recommend it. Cool. Dave, what's your favourite set that you own? Lego? Yeah. Or Lego. generally? Lego. Oof. Lego. I've got a few UCS ones. I really like the Boba Fett 
Slave 1. But I think Andy will know this one already. I think my favourite set is actually the ATTE from Rebels, which is Captain Rex's that we see on the planet where he, him and Wolf um, have retired to yeah. in, I think, Season 2 of Rebels. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I just... I've got that set. It's on display. Um, I just love that set. I really do. It's really nice, really clever sets, really well made. Lots of, I guess, similar to what Andy said, really, you, you've got two cranes on it. It's got a moving main cannon on it. It's also got other front facing cannons that move the front cockpit opens where the driver sits you open up the back of it where the crew would be there's even uh, uh, almost like a coffee cup mug type thing in there um, yeah I, I, to be fair I do I think I like that and, and I love Captain Rex so I think that, that might have tipped it over the edge brilliant but, so yeah so from a Lego think- perspective it's definitely that Cool. Will you guys take photos of those so we can tweet them out? Yes, yes. Perfect. There you go. We'll tweet them out some point during this week so you can have a look at uh, Andy and Dave's favourite Lego collectibles. Now, Mayor, I'm going to excuse you from that question deliberately because... Well, I was, was just going to say, um, Sh- uh, Sean Marwood had actually mentioned... He'd not mentioned the Lego set. His favourite set was a General Grievous, but it was the Artifact set. Yeah. Which is a Kotobayuki, I think it's pronounced. It's a Japanese brand. So I'm just wondering if, if, he, was, if he was saying what's our favourite thing or whether it's our favourite Lego. Well, we can leave that question for another time. Okay, sorry. Because... Uh, Mera, I, I really want you to say something first of all about. So this question is from Neil Lowry. I hope I've got your name right. Who's obviously been having some health issues recently, and the entire Jedi Council is wishing him the best. But I know you have a lot of contact to him, Mera. So I just wondered if you wanted to say a few words about Neil first of all. Absolutely, I'd be honoured to. Neil is just. Um uh, he put the P in positivity. I mean, he's such an encourager. He's always, um, a, I call him a ray of sunshine and a complete delight because he is, he refuses to be negative. Um, he, and unfortunately, he does not always get treated. Uh, with respect um, on a few levels and it bothers me because you know some people with the purest of hearts get um, uh, I don't want to say abused the most but I I, I think it is a bit apropos um, in his case because he has such a pure heart in my opinion he is always just so encouraging He's, he makes it a point to uh, point people, individuals out on Twitter continuously. I mean, it's a constant with Neil to, uh, uh, just say, to single somebody out, uh, whether it's in a group or individually, uh, to just say, I hope you have a great day. And I mean, and that is so rare. Uh, I don't want to say it's like an anomaly rare. It's just, uh, a lot of people don't really do that. And Neil takes the time to do that because he genuinely thinks that people are worth it. 
And we could have more people like Neil, in my opinion, on the planet because he just really adds a lot. He loves Star Wars. He, he is always encouraging. He's always excited. He's, you know, going to celebration is just like a dream come true for him. It's, um, you know, it's, it's his Disneyland, if you will, that just, he adores Star Wars. He adores Star Wars fans and, um, but mostly he adores people and it is completely evident. And I wish him the best and, and that he is, um, well a hundred percent soon because of anybody I know on social media. Neil is one of those people that deserves the very best. I, I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Um, I, I just think. You know, Neil, thank you for being such a brilliant supporter of the Jedi Council. We're sending you all our best, and, you know, we can't wait to see what you get up to at Celebration. Um, so I'm going to direct Neil's question to you, first of all, Mera, which is, again, collectible-related. And he said, if there had been a Force Friday for any of the original trilogy, so 4, 5, and 6, what, which movie merchandise would have you been most excited about? So what would you have wanted to have the most? I would have wanted an original R2-D2 from Star Wars. And I still want it. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, what would you have taken from any Force Friday from the original trilogy? I've got a few of the original pieces still. Not many. I've got um, an original um, ATST from Return of the Jedi. I think it would have been an attack. An attack from Empire. Yeah. Andy, if there had been Lego sets back then, what would you have got? (laughs) An interesting one. I'm thinking back. um, One thing I always like, the Star Destroyer shape Mm. of ship. Um, and I know there's, there's been a couple of sets quite recently that have been released about that, uh, around that sort of size ship. There's a, there's Imperial Star Destroyer and there's a Super Star Destroyer as well. Um, both of which again are on my one list. Humongous, so that one. You want to zero It's humongous, that set. The, the Super Star Destroyer is about four and a half feet long. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also incredibly expensive. Because I think, again, it's quite rare to find one there that's still, still got all of its pieces. It's so big. Um, but, yeah, something like that would, would be right up my street. Um, the other thing, actually, moving away from Lego is something that Dave collected. We haven't got time to go into all this now. But, you know, the 12-inch Kenner figures that you've got, Dave? Mm. Yes. Um, I really like those. And, and You see, they're not original era. No, well, no, they're not. They're not. I know that. But a lot of the a lot of the figures are from the original films, aren't they? A yeah, lot of the yeah. clothing and all all the Canon ones are from the original trilogy. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. I, mean, I know they. Well, there was I an earlier set things. to them, actually. Yes. Yes. Yeah. From, I, from I like, the early eighties. I like the range that Dave's got, and it's the um the original. I know it's not like the original Canon set, but it's got obviously a lot of the characters from the original films, and I think they're really cool as well. Yeah, they're a really nice set, then, to be yeah. fair. I, I, as a range, they've got to be up there as some of my favourites. Yeah. Awesome. So, just to close things off, guys, um, Andy, great to have you on the show today. Have you got any final thoughts about what's been happening around Star Wars? Are you excited for Solo? What, what, what are you thinking at the moment? 
I am actually, yeah, I'm excited for Solo. Um, I haven't yet bought the last, I haven't bought the last Jedi yet on, on Blu-ray, but I'm quite intrigued um, with the films. It's not necessarily the films that I would buy the DVD, Blu-ray, whatever for. It would be all of the extras. So I'm intrigued as well. I, don't, I haven't seen what's on the Solo release, but I do wonder if there's some sort of documentary or something as well, which would be quite interesting to watch. But yeah, yeah, I'm excited for Solo. Um, and yeah. Yeah, and, and great to be back on with you guys and, and chatting around the table as we as we can. So it's been good fun. Mm-hmm. And agree more, Mera. Any final thoughts from you? I'm excited about um, you know resistance. See what that brings us. Um, yeah, I, I I love Solo. I couldn't wait, and I got the digital copy on Amazon Prime. <laughs> and oh, I'll probably <laughs> yeah, I'll probably have it. <laughs> A weak moment, I, I just caved, but and I'm not sorry. But so I love that. I can't love that movie enough. It's really. I, I honestly hope that there is another solo, um, or call it Chewy. I, I don't care. Just have them together again and have Ron. You know, I I'd love that. So yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Dave, final thought from you. Oof. We got 15 months to the next movie. Mm. For me, it feels like a long time. Yeah. It feels like a long time. Yeah. And we've got Resistance to look forward to. We've got the rumours of the other live-action TV show. But I don't know when that will launch. Um, so at this point in time, all we've got to look forward to over the next 12 months is Resistance. Mm-hmm. And for me... I want another movie as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have Clone Wars. You never know next year. True. True. Yes, that's a good point, that. Yeah. Nice. We don't know how far they're down developing that. But, um, no. yeah, I could, I could agree with you more. I think, I think it's um, an interesting time with Bob Iger's comments. Um, I really hope personally that people who didn't give Solo a chance at the cinema watch it now, whatever, however they watch it, you know, iTunes, DVD, whatever. Give it a chance, those of you who didn't, and really just just put The Last Jedi out of your mind and look at this because it's a brilliant film that deserves to be watched. And the more support it gets, the more likely we're going to see another one. And I think that would just be the best conclusion from, from this entire last six to eight months of Star Wars division. So if unless anyone's got anything else to say, we are the Jedi Council. You can follow us on Twitter at Jedi underscore council. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. You can download and listen again to our previous podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all the other type of podcasting apps. And please don't forget to leave us five-star ratings let us uh, get involved with the conversation on there because it really does help us reach more people. And of course, may the force be with you always. The force will be with you always.